Welcome to Free and Figuring It Out, a weekly podcast hosted by two Brits, Sherelle Griffith and Verity Brown, on a mission to support, empower and reassure fellow independent millennial women that they can be self-sufficient, successful and seen. This week's episode is sponsored by Lexi and Teal. Lexi and Teal is a British silk accessories brand providing mulberry silk eye masks and pillowcases because, as they say, everybody deserves a good night's sleep. For those of you new to luxurious silk like me, grade 6A mulberry silk is the absolute best you can buy and is exactly what Lexi and Teal create their made-to-last products with. Whether you want a honeymoon perfect wedding gift in ivory or to fall asleep on a pillow of ocean blue or if you're a sucker for rose gold like most millennial women, Lexi and Teal have a range of six beautiful colours to suit your style and taste. Founded by Amelia Allen in 2020, inspired by both her heritage, she is Mauritian, Indian and Scottish, but also the conflict between luxury and its inevitable environmental impact with sustainability in mind they order small quantities from suppliers meaning reduce wastage limit the plastic they use with delivery bags that being biodegradable and to minimize their carbon footprint they use ships rather than planes to have the goods delivered find them online at lexiandteal.com and on all the socials at lexiandteal let's move into today's show Hello everyone and welcome back to Free and Figuring It Out. On today's episode, I'm going to start us off with what I'm figuring it figuring it out, figuring out. Um, and that is cow's milk. <laughs> so for those of you who've listened to the podcast since the dawn of time, I think when I started the podcast, I was a carnivore. Yes, I think so. Yeah, and then I went veggie, and then I went vegan, and now I've gone back to veggie. Okay. Um, I'm not going to go into the reasons, but yeah, I'm veggie now. Um, however, since going veggie, um, it's been more of a convenience thing, as in like, I don't mind if there's dairy and cakes that I have and stuff like that, rather than purposefully trying to eat dairy and and yeah. you know veggie stuff um but the one thing that I haven't done is gone back to drinking cow's milk and I think it's just because I have sort of gotten so used to the taste of non-cow's milk of non-dairy that it's never really appealed to me um and I think when I was vegan I read so much about cow's milk and how there's hormones in it etc 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 and so I think that's all at the back of my mind however I am sick and tired of paying an extra 50p for every coffee I have to have oat milk. And it, it started to feel like this big thing. Like I I just I just want I think I'm craving a bit of simplicity in my life mm. and going into somewhere and asking if like, you know, what non-dairy milk they have and it's the flat white in a small cup with two shots because otherwise I get like a soup bowl with like one shot and it's like a milky coffee and that's not the reason I ordered a flat white and yeah it's me being a snob and this is pure first world problems but I'm just a bit like I just want a simple life in aspects (laughs) and 
I've just come to the point that shall I just start drinking cow's milk again to a save me money I don't really have spare 50ps to be spending on oat milk if I'm honest and b to keep my life simple and I don't know really um what the answer is and I don't know if I'm just gonna start again and see how I feel I don't even know if I can stomach it if I'm honest um but yeah it does really get me that it's like 50 I just think after all this time after years why is it not 15 or 20p extra and it it you know it's not it's not necessarily about the the amount but it's just that I don't know that I think being from Blackpool and there's just something about it that I just think you know I don't know it is that value it's that and it's it's starting to me to question like why am I doing it why you know so that's why I'm figuring out at the minute I mean I think it's funny from a saving perspective because you know how they all say millennials are broke because of our it's always about coffee isn't it <laughs> avocado so, on toast and oatmeal flat rice <laughs> and actually yours is like yeah but it's an extra cost just to add that in but also I just want to say I feel the same about paying for cheese so I'm a pescatarian but given the last five years the rise in vegans it now means there are most places where you go for burgers it's like you can get a meat burger or you get a vegan burger and I, I'm like super happy like the vegan burgers now are like amazing compared to what they were x years ago so don't get me wrong I'm super happy we've got more options but I don't want vegan cheese I just want a piece of cheese and when I have to pay 50p or a pound I think somewhere it was one pound 25 to get a slice of cheddar and I'm like what like just swap it out seriously and I I think the thing is vegan cheese is really expensive so you are a bit like why can't you just swap it out because it's cheaper to put cheddar cheese on than it is to yeah and vegan vegan cheese is terrible I've I've still not found a decent vegan cheese the only substitute I enjoy making is the parmesan which I do from uh, nutritional yeast ground almonds um and garlic salt um and I use that instead of parmesan but yeah I completely get it I think the hard thing with the coffee is it it's a few times a week yeah and so it adds up you know you're just thinking it's just this is just getting ridiculous and I went for coffee the other day it was four pound for a flat white with non-dairy milk and I just I thought I can't I just I'm just not doing this anymore but then you you put your values and beliefs into but I always say veganism and is a choice and Mm -hmm. it's a privilege and people will argue that for me but I will argue them no it is a complete privilege to choose what you eat because it is more expensive I don't care what anyone says it is more expensive to eat a non-meat diet Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. It's just the musings in my little brain, but that's what I'm figuring out this week. Well, funny enough, my actual figuring out was what to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I had to watch Verity shove a bagel in her mouth just because we recorded this. <laughs> well, I'm all about honesty here, but what well, yeah. made me laugh was I had some uh I had some Philadelphia in the in the fridge that's just went out of date yesterday and I was like I need a bagel and I don't have any bagels to go with it oh no sorry 
<laughs> you but, manifested it through the screen. I know. So you had it, but it's a genuine thing. I would like, so I live with my dad now and like sometimes it would be like, oh, like what do you want for dinner? And I, I just don't know what to say. Like I have no idea how to respond. And I, it's quite interesting for me because, you know, and there's definitely, we've got episodes um, earlier where we spoke about like eating for one and actually like that process. And I definitely was a very organized person when I was in London about doing my food shop, trying to plan what I'd be eating when so that I wouldn't be wasting too much food and, but working it around like my work commitments and when I was going out in the evening stuff. So I've obviously got to change because now like I have some meals with my dad, but also I've just realized it's like, I don't even know what I want to eat. Like I genuinely feel I've lost all interest in food into a certain degree. And I'm just like, got no energy for it no excitement just no nothing but I also know I need I want to keep my body in as healthy a place as possible so I keep being like I need to eat well so yeah I'm just on a journey of just feeling a bit lost and like I need to work out in my head it's like some meals that actually are healthy and I like and excite me and then I can be like these are ones I can have in the like evening with my dad versus okay these are actually what I'm going to go back to like what I'm going to have for like breakfasts and lunch and just get some routine that or some some things that excite me like anything just to go because I just feel just like a hundred percent with you there hundred percent I am totally detached from food it's unbelievable and I don't really know what's happened. I mean, we've both had COVID and I don't know if losing our taste buds for a few <laughs> weeks, like sort of, I don't know if it's a weird thing that sort of just, but I'm the same. I'm just like, what do I want to eat now? I just have no desire for yeah. it. Like, and I've stopped enjoying going out for dinner or anything because I just find menus are just terrible at the minute. They're so meat and fish heavy and I've just lost all that enjoyment. So I think that's, having an effect as well mm. um yeah it's funny isn't it yeah I don't know maybe we need a nutritionist to come on the show and help yeah. us out. be like what to eat now and I think also I thought you know I didn't used to have 21 meals a week at home um you know I did used to go out a fair bit but dinner and stuff that's true mm-hmm. so there is that but also I was like I never had that exciting a diet before like I was I was pretty much for those people I would cook I'd have my leftovers again and again I wasn't bothered so it's not like I've gone from this massive exciting life to not for me to be like what's going on but yeah that's what I'm trying to work out anyway so okay well any nutritionists and any tips for both of us please uh feel free to reach out um so I read uh an article in September Vogue oh my gosh the cover is like gold and pink it's just beautiful. I love a September Vogue. It's yeah, one of my highlights. Um, and this article is called A Life of First, and it's all about me and Motley, who is um Barbados's prime minister. She's leader of the Labour Party there. And it's just, I mean, it's amazing to see women in power and making a difference in the world. It's even more amazing to see women of colour in power. And so it's just a really lovely article to sort of uh, understand a country that I don't know much about, if I'm honest. I know the stereotypes. I know certain, you know, quirks, but I don't know much about its history. And 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 so it was just really nice to sort of get under the skin of a country that I don't know much about. Um and it was saying how it's smaller than the Isle of Man with the pop with roughly the population of Newcastle, 
which is tiny like it's great when you think about it I mean that's mm. just seems so so tiny and it kind of talks um about how uh you know she's come into power very um sort of aware of the colonialism history of Barbados um it the article talks about um the independence that that they saw from um Britain um discusses the royal family as in it's not a jibe at them um they respect the royal family a lot because it's sort of um sometimes known as like um the little Britain um amongst all the other sort of islands because they were they really took a lot of pride in um the British rule um and so they're having to deal with really stepping away from that sort of um title as well um like they had a statue of Nelson um in Bridgetown even before we got one in London (laughs) so that's just been moved into a museum and so yeah and so now it's all about um becoming a republic um and a few other things that that she's really trying to to bring and she talks about same-sex marriage which is incredible um and really sort of um supporting that and bringing um that in as as something that that can happen in Barbados um and just having um a Barbadian be the the sort of head of state for them rather than the queen of england um which let's face it in 2021 makes complete and utter sense doesn't it so so yeah just a really nice article um really well written great interview very inspiring lady um in vogue september vogue um and also it makes you realize how many like famous people are from there including rihanna no i know but is she (laughs) Is she the first self-made female billionaire? Did I read that recently? So she, Something like that. So she has become a billionaire, but mm. I actually didn't read the articles to know whether she's the the first self-made or not because I, there's always loads of controversy anyway because of, I don't know, with Je- Kylie Jenner? Yeah. Because didn't she... So she's She had the title of self-made billionaire but then everyone was like she's not self-made um <laughs> so there is yeah, very of, true so there is controversy but she definitely has become a billionaire it was big news um so, yeah so she's worth 1.7 billion dollars estimate uh she's the wealthiest female musician in the world and second only to oprah winfrey in terms of uh sort of fortune wow well done, Rihanna. I know. Well done. Yeah. I just think to myself, it could have been me. No, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny because she's so close. If those news, Sherelle, it definitely could. <laughs> it's just always one of those things because, we, like, you know, when someone was like your age and you've watched them from oh, like, being young, growing up. So it's a really interesting one. But it always amazes me some of the things you say you're reading Vogue because like that's not an article I expect to be in there at all. It sounds great. Like I really want to have a read. But this is all to do with the the editor that came in mm. after Alexandra Shulman, you know, a black man who has really changed um sort of the core values of Vogue with keeping within this, you know, escapism of luxury and fashion. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the articles I've read in this issue of Vogue centre around a woman of colour um, or a person of colour. And 
just think it's amazing that that diversity is being represented now in such a mainstream magazine. So yeah, definitely. If you've not picked up a copy of Vogue for a while, I would definitely recommend giving it another chance. Yeah. I actually got my friend a subscription for her birthday recently. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so there you go, nice little prezzy idea. <laughs> now, uh, I clearly was not reading such high browsings. I was actually on the sofa this Sunday <laughs> watching How to Lose a Guy in laughing? 10 Days. Because it literally makes me sick thinking it was like a rainy, oh, you know, this classic British weather we're having right now, a rainy summer day. So mm. I was just on the sofa Um and I'd watched, oh yeah, it just was a day, one of those days. But I ha- I don't think I'd actually ever watched it originally. That's what made me laugh. There's actually quite a few like classic chick flicky films. I think when I was a bit younger, I was only really interested in teen ones rather than like adult ones. So I think there's a few that just yeah. sort of passed me by. Um, so, but the story is, in short is um, the main woman, she is a writer. I felt very, I was like, oh, clearly. Why are they always a writer? Like everyone's in this, like having to pitch a story in the pitch meeting. A journalist, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, And so she pitches this idea about how to do a guy in 10 days, which she's going to do all of the things that drive women away. And then, I mean, all the things women do that drive men away. So she was purposely trying to drive them away in this, and then was going to write about it. Um, and so it follows her basically terrorising this guy to try and make him get away. But it's just a class. What made me laugh was there was like a few people's in it that now I've seen them in other films. Like, oh my God, like, I didn't know, like you know, you like make all the connections and you do all the dots. And it's just funny because you're like, as a woman, like how many of these things have I done in the past? Like what oh, have I just... <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, and just nice, you know, as, a, as somebody who is single, you think about dating, it was sort of like, just fun just to think of the foolery but not have to involve myself in it because you know I've said recently I'm about to try and put myself back out there so it was a nice reminder of do not do these things do not act like a crazy woman so yeah if uh if it rains again one day and you're <laughs> you want to have a little bit of a fun no fluff watch how to lose a guy in 10 days can I ask has it stood the test of time or is there certain things that if you filmed it in 2021 you probably wouldn't include it because it's not like woke enough or something. Hmm, it's interesting. I didn't feel, I didn't feel it was particularly dated. Like, you know, sometimes when you have okay. moments you're like, or like, there Oof. wasn't, there, there wasn't, but I don't know if I was a hundred, how much I was also just like on the sofa, like, blah, blah, blah. Right, but I didn't yeah. feel, I mean, obviously looking at it, like the diversity, yeah you wouldn't it was just pure white um and yeah it's obviously like all very white homosexual heterosexual (laughs) but um (laughs) I don't there wasn't too many I I didn't feel uncomfortable at points from actually what was happening if that makes sense okay no it's interesting it's just so interesting when you you watch films at 20 years old and sometimes like eek like that would not really get past today but Hello, Sherelle here. Just another little note about this week's sponsors, Alexi and Teal. By now, you know that they create beautiful silk accessories, but what are the benefits of luxurious mulberry silk, you ask? Many beauty experts recommend using silk pillowcases because of their benefits for hair and skin. They can prevent wrinkles, tame frizzy hair, keep skin hydrated, plus keep you dry and cool all night. Perfect for these hot summer sleeps. 
And when it comes to Lexi and Teal Eye Mask, they are extremely gentle to your delicate eye area, nourishing to your skin and great at blocking out those early sunrises and late sunsets, which we are currently experiencing in the UK. Find them online at www.lexiandteal.com and on the socials at Lexi and Teal. Now back to the show. So while you were watching that, um, so I started watching a series when it came out uh, five years ago now called Master of None. Have you heard of it? Mm-mm. No. So it's Anziz Ansari, who is a comedian. And uh, it was one of the, when it came out, it was a little bit like kooky, shall we say. Okay. You know, like it took me a few episodes to get into it. The premise of it was uh, he was single, he was dating. And at the time, I'm just like thinking in my head, was I single? Yes, I was. <laughs> So I could connect to it. Um, And uh, the series one based in New York, series two, it's based between Italy and New York. Um, And then they've just released a series three. And I didn't realize until I sort of looked into it that it's actually the whole series is focused around one of his best friends, Denise, who is a queer woman and her relationship with her partner. And it's only six episodes. It's filmed in a very cinematic uh indie way like it's you know those sorts of things you watch where someone say has a baby and they literally film like the last thing the film is like eight months pregnant and then the next thing (laughs) the film is like the child's three years old because you didn't need to see all of that that was just sort of a sub sort of um story within the you know it wasn't and it was just beautiful. Like I was absolutely gutted when it finished. Um, again, appreciating representation of queer women on TV, but it felt very real and raw. Like, um, and it wasn't all sweetness and light. Um, and yeah, I think it just felt very honest. Um, and I've said this before, but sometimes with queer women representation, it can feel very stereotypical, very jarring, very, yeah, like fluffy. And this was just very beautiful. It was just a beautiful piece of TV. So whether you are a queer woman or not, I really recommend it. Master of None, uh, series three, but I recommend watching the other two as well because they're they're really good um he's a great actor um but I also want to mention that I did read his book called Modern Romance which I did leave with a book fairy sticker on at the port in Kefalonia so maybe you pick that up and are listening now so if you are (laughs) um but yeah so I, I left that there but I really recommend that book as well it's a really if you are single Modern Romance it's really funny lots of data but he makes it just really interesting. So um, Modern Romance and Z's Ansari. So, yeah. Mm, I definitely will stick Modern Romance on the on the list, but that's definitely not what <laughs> I'm really long right list. <laughs> such a long list. So this book actually had been on the shelf, I reckon, a year. And when I opened it, I had read 20 pages and clearly given up. But it's called How to Own the World, A Played English Guide to Thinking Globally and Investing Wisely. It's um, written by a guy called Andrew Craig. So I'm reading it um, as part of the female financial investing group that I'm in. And uh, the reason why I really, really like it, and I can't believe that I put it down the first time. I don't know what must have happened. I feel like I must have had to read something else rather than I put it down purposely. 
it's because it's from a UK perspective. So it's very, mm. very nice to read it. It's like, it's ISAs, it's pensions, it's all, it's just, it's for us. So it makes so much sense. And to me, it makes a massive difference when a book actually is written by someone in the UK. But also basically what I like about him is his whole sort of like honesty in terms of what is happening in the world, what changes are happening and therefore what we need to do with our money. So we did a money series earlier this year, um, figuring money out. And we did, we went through all the different phases and we can link to it. But what I like about him in terms of investing is it's like, actually he is like, we have to invest in order for our money not to get burnt by inflation. But he's like, actually the inflation figures we get shared are not the real inflation figures. Oh. And everyone knows that, but- Oh, do we? <laughs> like, as in everyone, like, as in the journalist, politician, In the industry, yeah, yeah, yeah. All those people know it. Um, but actually our interest rate is probably, um, sorry, the inflation is probably even higher. So for us really just to keep our, even keep our wealth is quite difficult basically. And so he's got theories around, the theory of how to own the world is basically about your, you should be uh, having assets around the world in general so that as like developing countries rise up, like you're getting the benefit um, and you're not just like centered. Very often, most people have their investments based on where they are. One of the reasons I really like this book, it's the first time someone, I've read a book where it actually talks about owning gold and silver, which I thought was a really, Ooh. yeah, really interesting concept about, um, owning gold and silver and we we were having a little chat the group that I'm in and someone was like yeah I've got some silver in my house and I was like I feel like you shouldn't be sharing that with everyone so like <laughs> but it's like a totally different like how to invest in commodities and you know I really liked I read it like quite quickly because I just in general like there is some big economic uh, principles in it and so there is some like big data he talks about but I think the theory is really good. And at the end, he has two different approaches. So he has an approach that's like, if you want to apply my thinking, but you want to keep it quite simple, here's what to do. And if you want to be a bit more advanced and be a bit more active, here's what to do. But he's definitely someone that believes you can do it yourself. And so that's why after all the theory he talks about it, he shows you how to do it. So it's a book I, I, I'm gutted. I hadn't read earlier, basically. I'm really, really impressed with it. It's definitely one that I think I can imagine um, recommending to more people. So if you are in the UK, absolutely. How to Own the World by Andrew Craig. Mm, I like it. Do we know, and I'm being devil's advocate, is he a white man? Do we know? I He didn't have a picture, so no. I don't know. When you said something there, it sparked something about ethics in me, about this, you know, buying property and developing, con- you know. yeah. yeah. And I, it's it's a bigger conversation, that isn't it? Does he discuss that? So it's not about it was not about buying property. So it's about um, actually. So like in the UK, we have like the FTSE 100 or the FTSE 250. We can have like I'm gonna get it wrong. Nasdaq, I think, is in America. Um, I mean, you can say whatever you want right now. I have no. Oh idea. no, but someone listed. I'm not a financial <laughs> like you know. I'm not a financial expert. But basically, there's other equivalents in other countries. So it's not necessarily about it's it's about positioning yourself. You don't necessarily have to be buying things from them. That's the point. Sometimes it's about, you have an an index fund, which is just tracking alongside it. So it's not always about actively, it's not about us like scooping up all the property. Like there is conversations. There's, oh, I forgot about that. There are very honest conversations about property and how UK people have too much of their wealth and property and the reality of owning property. And is it a sensible thing to do? 
So it's not actually, and he talks about, yeah, the fact that the London market's all been sucked up because other people buy London because all rich people in other countries think it's a really safe investment. So it's not necessarily about actually you buying a property somewhere else, but it might be you looking at other forms of investments in more the st- in more ways. And like you could get bonds. So you could be actually in a way supporting developing countries because you could get a bond from another country, which means they've okay. got money to help develop it. So yeah, mm. I, I mean, obviously there are always ways. And I think there was, you know, from an ethical position, it's the same reason as some people say, I don't want to be in oil. I don't want to have anything to do with like tobacco. Like, you know, all of yeah. us have to when we sit down. But actually, in a way, his strategy probably is giving you, he's telling you to be active in a way with what you're doing. So that's actually probably better than a lot of people who are being passive, like with their pension right now, that probably are funding oil companies without even realising it. Yeah, and most um, platforms now will allow you to do green or sustainable investing, won't they? So it's good to just have a look at whoever you're with, whether that's index funds or pensions, to make sure that it's been invested in what aligns with your sort of ethics, isn't it? But and that sounds so interesting, that book. You've come up with some corkers recently. Like yeah. we said about finance, but not about that personal finance, really, about that wider sort of... Um, just the subject of money generally mm. I suppose so yeah I really enjoyed like he talks about like how the banks and like work and like, what countries are doing and like quantitative reason and it yeah it's just been I have gone through a phase recently and I've been really enjoying it and I think but I think this book what it helps you to understand is like understanding what's actually happening in the next 20 30 40 years is then informing what you should be doing to look after yourself and that's the thing yeah like we know where the trends are going but we all we want to help ourselves as much as possible and look after ourselves mm-hmm. and make sure we're not um broke when we're old yes yes definitely um right well on that note do you have a lovely life prompt i do us? so as much as I'm going to start dating and try not to lose a guy in 10 days, there are some things we actually should lose from our lives. And so the question is, what is one thing you should actively remove from your life? So what is one thing you should actively remove from your life? Take a bit of control, stop letting everything be exactly as what it should be and make some choices about pushing some stuff out. Mm-hmm interesting deep digging there well yeah let us know what you come up with and uh once again thank you for being here thank you for listening if you do want to get in touch you can do so at free and figuring it out on instagram and facebook or email us at free and figuring it out at gmail.com we will see you next week thank you so much for listening to this episode of free and figuring it out don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss the next installment and if you want to be a superstar please leave us a review or you can get in touch with us drop us an email at free and figuring it out at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you until next time